beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black, and we are here on a beautiful day to do another podcast with, uh, with a very interesting guest. Let's just get into it right now. Her name is Jackie Pagobo, and Jackie has suffered great heartbreak over the years after her brother, John Joseph, or JJ Pagobo, unexpectedly passed away from a longboarding accident and medical malpractice. This April will be his 10-year death anniversary, which she will be honoring uh, him with a memorial event. She hopes that her story can inspire others. Jackie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be here this morning. <laughs> yeah, we're happy to have you. And uh, just want to let everybody know you're calling us from Oakland, California. Uh, so shout out to all our Californian listeners out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Jackie, it's great to have you on. We, uh, we've been friends for a while since uh, you're at Brock University way back when. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been like two years ago or something. Um, yeah. And I, you know, like I always, you always have like this amazing uh, vibe, right? You're always so cheerful, always so happy. And I remember we actually fi- finally got a chance to meet actually at a party. So, you know, like us, us grad students, <laughs> look, we, had, uh, we had our own little party <laughs> at Christmas party. Was it Christmas <laughs> or Halloween? One of those two. It right? was anyway, Halloween. <laughs> was it Halloween? Yeah, dress up party. Yeah, it was cool. But that's when the first time I actually got to sit down and talk to you a little bit. And it was really interesting for me because you really opened up and that's not something people do at parties for the most part. Did you want to, you know, talk about maybe what that was like for you? Um, yeah, sure. I remember being at the party with um, all my friends that I just newly met and I'm very, I think I'm a very social person. So um, it's not every day that I get the opportunity to talk about my brother and I just, I was just really interested in the research that you've done because I'm also a big dreamer. Um, so that really opened me up and to talk about uh, the dreams I've always had with my brother. And I think at that point in my life, it was about eight years or so that I've, I've been grieving my brother's loss. Yeah, I remember like sitting on the couch and like everyone's having fun drinking. And then like, here's us two just like talking about like your loss. <laughs> like, remember you, you're crying a little bit. And I, I'm not sure. Was there a, was there an animal loss too? Oh, yes, yes. It yeah, was okay, yeah, so chihuahua. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it was the two losses. And it was just like, for me, I look back at that and I'm like, how amazing that is. Because it's, it's just, I think it's funny because like, you're having a real conversation in a moment where everyone's just almost trying to avoid life, you know, like they're trying to dance mm-hmm. they're trying to like get off steam. And then, you know, here we are talking about loss. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> didn't it's really totally fit. normal. That's probably why I didn't have a crowd around us. <laughs> People sort of scattered away a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was the first time I got a chance to really know, you know, a lot of, you know, so what you're, what you go through, because at the end of the day, I only find out, from these one-on-one conversations that people do suffer loss. And there's so many people in the grad program, the students that have suffered loss. And I, I never would know unless sort of I really was researching this topic because it's not something that you just bring up for the hell of it. It's just like it comes out when you talk about the research. Yeah. And I think, I think that moment was special, very special, because even moving back from California, I I really thought about the connection that we had over over the dreams and over the loss. And it's not like my journey ended at that point. So it was still going on. And coming back to California, I was confronted with it again. But this time I was, you know, going back to my family. And now I, I want to share that with them, like this whole journey. That's amazing. I can't wait to talk more about your brother and your journey uh, so far. So actually, I think it's a good time to actually talk a little bit about your brother. So what was he like and what was he like to have him as a brother? My brother was my best friend. Um, He was always by my side. And he was such a he was such a cheerful person as well. He always laughed at everything and he loved making jokes. But the best thing that we had in common was music. He loved listening to music, and he wanted to play the bass. That was one of his dreams. And it's funny because 
he, he, I remember ask, him asking me um, if I could be his band manager and drive the whole band. So I just picture him just smiling and, you know, playing bass and I'm driving him and his band wherever they find gigs. <laughs> and did he actually learn to play the bass? Um, he didn't, unfortunately. Um, the last thing he was able to do was get a get his his longboard for his birthday. And so, how he long? And so, how old was he when he got the longboard? Sixteenth birthday, and it was April sixth. Um, he really loved the longboard that he had. Um, he took care of it so well. He he actually like wiped it down with a towel. And he just loved that thing. And my mom got it for him for his last birthday with us. So have you ever went on the longboard yourself? Like with him uh, no. or, or just on your own now? Um, no, actually, I haven't. Where is his longboard now? Um, I think it's in our storage, hmm. in our garage. Okay. And so could you go through the day of his death and what happened and, and how you how you found out okay so let me just paint the picture for you it's it was my prom night the day before so all my high school friends had slept over and we were talking about how amazing the prom night was you know it was it was one of the highlights every high schooler has you know prom night is a big thing so we were coming back from our our amazing night together and I remember that morning I was talking with my friends in the living room and my brother wanted to go for a longboard uh, ride by himself and he was doing this for about two weeks since he got his longboard for his birthday and he went off a little bit angry <laughs> He's a little bit irritated, so he actually went out for a ride just to clear his head, probably. And I saw him leave from the from the living room door, and I thought nothing of it. So we walked out, and I was still talking to my friends, and some of them were leaving. Then a few a few moments later, maybe like a few minutes later, he called me, and not thinking about it, I just was really annoyed because you know I'm talking to my friends and here's my brother calling me I'm like I know where you are why are you calling me and he he just immediately was saying I need help I fell down but um, I wasn't really processing it at that moment so I gave my phone to my mom I said hey mom you know I don't I don't know. He's saying he needs help. He fell down. I don't. I don't know what he wants. And I gave the phone to my mom, and I just remember her talking to him and being angry too. She was cleaning the kitchen, and then she went down uh, to get him. And I went. Actually, I went down there. Uh, it was a block away from my house, and it was this big, big hill. So he was sitting on the sidewalk when my mom had picked him up and she got him in the car and drove back up to our house and he was he was having a hard time breathing and he was hurting and he was telling us sorry 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 over and over again and at the same time um, other friends were coming over because my cousin was having a cotillion practice so this is the 18th birthday usually uh, Filipinos have this big celebration for when you turn 18 and you go into adulthood. So my cousin Mia was having her cotillion practice, a dance routine practice at the house as well. There was so much going on that day. And we were having friends over, we had food over, and all our family was kind of catering to those events. At the same time, my brother was in pain. So, you know, the adults took care of it. And I was, I was just going through the motions of, you know, I have to practice. I'm, my friends are over. It was a great night. So I didn't really think about it. And then my mom, she, she went to take my brother to the emergency room. 
and we danced and practiced for about an hour or two. And after that, I remember, I remember getting a phone call from my mom, me, my uncle, and my cousin were in the car. And my mom told us that my brother was getting a blood transfusion. And that's, that's when I started crying. And like, it kind of hit me because I've never heard that word before. But anything with blood, I thought it was serious. And so I just started crying in the car. And I remember someone turning to me and say, hey, like, it's going to be okay. But I, I like, I was just already tearing up. When we got to the hospital, it was at Kaiser Hospital. My mom was in the emergency room with my brother, and he was already um, calmed down. He said that he they had given him some something to calm him down because he was thrashing in the hospital and and being really loud. And so when we got there, he wasn't he wasn't himself. I just knew there was something different. But my mom kept telling them that it was because of a longboard accident and that he needed help. I remember my aunt yelling, yelling at at the people telling them to do something because she's also a nurse. And I felt really helpless at this point because I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know anything that was, that was medical related back then, being very young. And I just had to trust the people that I was with, like the adults and everybody that I was with to take care of my brother. And I just, we took turns seeing my brother in the, in the hospital uh, bed they had like a stretcher out and I was telling him things that that made him feel better you know that we were all there and we loved him um, hoping that he would hear that and we stayed there for a few hours until they moved him into the hospital from the emergency room that was I think that was like the first day so then what happened after that first day so did you think he was going to make it uh, yes, I I did because they took him in and I didn't think anything of it in a bad way. I'm pretty optimistic. So I I remember sitting there in the hospital waiting room thinking that he was just going to be better, you know. But when I stayed overnight, that's when I kind of got concerned because the first the first night we spent i couldn't sleep and we had to sit in the waiting room and i just remember waking up like very often just to hear what was happening from from anyone that was taking care of my brother it was like we took shifts sleeping and waking up and finding out more information about how he's doing and at this point they had um, cut him open and so that's when I really thought it was serious Uh, just hearing that information knowing that he's just open and they have a blanket over him and he's he's being helped by a machine to breathe that's when I I I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I I don't know what time it was, but it was in the middle of the night. Um, And that's the moment where I thought it was really serious at this point. Wow. That's, uh, I can't imagine going through that and, and wondering, you know, what's, what's going to happen. So did he ultimately pull through and then something, a complication happened afterwards or did uh, he died soon after. So what they told us was that his, I think his lungs got lacerated and they couldn't really do anything until they had stabilized him. And so it was kind of a waiting period where my brother's vitals had to be a certain level before they could even do any surgery that could help him um, from the 
internal bleeding that they were seeing inside. And so they is it that they couldn't like stabilize them? And so that's how he eventually died? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean that that's a that's a tough moment, right? Like uh sitting with someone and uh obviously your brother who you love and maybe feeling hopeless or maybe feeling like you can't do anything in your control to help him. Yeah, I, I remember um, when they told us, you know, we just we just couldn't do anything. And all we could do was go in, in the room to see my brother and, you know, encourage him and be happy for him and tell him how much we love him, you know? Yeah. And that's when everybody started coming into the to hospital, like all our family, some of our friends. I think at this point it had been about two days, two days at the hospital. And <laughs> I remember, I remember being um, really worried about my schoolwork too, because <laughs> I'm an A student. <laughs> I mean, even everything that was going on, I was still doing my schoolwork. But uh, I guess that says something about me. I remember emailing my my teacher to my essay, and I was telling him what was happening too, and he told me not to worry about it. That's really funny. I know when my dad died, I went right back to school, like my undergrad. I went right back to school and did an exam and did an essay too. And there's just something, sometimes it's a great distraction from the pain of what actually is going on. It allows you some of that respite in the sense of processing it in little bits rather than uh, all at once. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I was really good at school. <laughs> <laughs> one, one more time for the record. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get C's or B's? <laughs> Oh no, I'm an A student. I was I was an A student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, um, did you have full confidence in the medical staff? Did you feel like they were the, doing the best that they could do? Yes, I did. Can you elaborate on that? Like, what what from the beginning were you getting the information you needed, and um, how was their demeanor? How was their bedside uh, demeanor during that time? Mm, okay. From the moment my brother was in the ICU when he was being um, kept open, his body was open with a heated blanket or heavy blanket, I trusted the nurse, nurses that were bringing us the information. And I also got to see him from a distance. So being allowed to see my brother whenever I wanted to made me trust. Um, the nurse on staff. I think things changed when my mom was being given like sedative to to calm her down. I think because my mom was obviously hurting from what was happening with her son. And as the eldest of three children, I was supporting my mom emotionally as, as her daughter. And I remember going into this room with her and she had to sign some papers. I wasn't really sure what was happening, but she had to sign some papers. And I think from that time, I was kind of questioning what was happening because why would you give my mom something and then have her sign her sign papers? And I think after the fact, when my brother was taken out of the hospital, we were we were a little bit angry because he was already gone. And we just remembered that he was stable at one point, but they didn't take him. They waited a little longer and they didn't want to take my brother when he was finally stable. And I think there was just that window of hope where it could have it could have been, could have been the best time. So he was stable and then they decided to let him go home? Um, no, he was stable and he was supposed to get 
the surgery to stop the internal bleeding mm-hmm. and they didn't take him. Okay. So they just moved him to a different part of the hospital maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got it. So they, they took him out of the, the emergency kind of like, okay, well, this is the first priority and then kind of put him in a different area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. And how did you guys feel during that time? Um, well, we were desperate. We just wanted to do anything and everything that we can. And we were basically fighting for him because he, he couldn't fight for himself. Yeah. Um, I just remember being so angry and confused, like questioning why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take my brother when he's okay? Why are you making us wait longer? Like every breath that we're, we're, we're talking, like we're using could be seconds closer to the surgery that could eventually stop him from bleeding. So that was the uh, medical malpractice you talked about in your bio? Part of it. Actually, it was from the moment my mom had brought him into the emergency room because they just flagged it as a, oh, this is a teenage boy who just fell. He didn't wear a helmet. He didn't wear knee pads. He just fell and he broke his finger. And that's how it looked like to them. Oh, wow. So just there's so much there that, you know, it's hard to imagine a family member going to a hospital and not getting the care that they require. I can only imagine like since that moment and moving forward, there's, there must have been, or they could have been some anger towards them or some, I don't know if there's regret or guilt. So could you talk about in your, in your journey now, like from his death, what was that like for you? And how did you process those emotions if there was anger? So after my brother had passed, I didn't know that my mom was actually going through um, accusations of medical malpractice. When she told me, it stirred up some anger in, in, in my spirit. And I immediately caught myself. I remember saying, why, why should I be angry at something that had already passed and I can't do anything about it? And I didn't want to hold on to that anger and blame, you know, the nurses, the staff for something that had already happened. Um, At the same time I was grieving, I was also sad that I lost my best friend. And, you know, it was my junior year of high school that when it's when this happened, so transitioning into you know college was really rough for me because I know that my brother would have celebrated that milestone with me, especially because we were just two peas in a pod. <laughs> when I had moved for college, I moved to the Central Valley in California and went to the University of California, Merced. And honestly, I remember crying a lot every night because I was alone out there. But I knew that my mom wanted me to go to school and be somebody and do something great with my life and carrying that much responsibility too as an older sister um, for my youngest brother John I felt so much pressure to perform well at the same time I was grieving and so I had to really take care of myself and learn how to juggle all these things it was really hard but I had the best friends in college we would cook dinner together We would hang out all the time, every weekend. And so I was around people that I loved and who loved me too. And it's very important to have people support you, especially through loss. And so I, I, I went out, I went out of, of this box, you know, this, let's just say this box where I, where I was just grieving for myself and 
I wanted to heal. I wanted to be okay. I wanted to live my life with the loss and not just tuck it under a rug and just ignore it. So I actually found um, a great resource. It's called Jessica's House in Turlock, California. Um, After I graduated college, that's when I went to Jessica's house. And they they helped families um, with loss. So I went over there and learned about how they were so open talking about loss with the whole family. It was such a different environment compared to um, home compared to my house where I didn't want to bring it up all the time whenever I went home from college, but I was struggling in that sense where I felt alone on it. So Jessica's house really opened my eyes to see how you could still be open talking about the loss and still be a family and still be okay. And from that moment, I just wanted to be more open about it to to everyone. And when I moved to Canada, that's when I met you, Josh. <laughs> At that point, my brother's uh, case against the medical malpractice was vindicated. And so that was, it was like a checklist. I picture like a checklist. Okay. So I did this for myself. I went to Jessica's house. This case has been vindicated. And now I'm pursuing more education in grad school. So I went further away from my family. Check. (laughs) 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 Now it's funny that I'm like talking about it because I'm... I was struggling by myself, but I also wanted to go far away. I did go far away, super far, East Coast. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it was just to prove to myself that I was independent, like an independent being and just going out there in the world and being an adult, hashtag adulting, (laughs) going out there by myself. I, I proved to myself that I'm strong enough. I'm strong enough to deal with it on my own and I know where to go. It's almost 10 years next month and I I'm really I'm really happy. And it I've changed the way I see death and it's it's not it's not ever going away either. I think just being around it so much like losing losing my grandfather at such a young age when I was about seven that was my first loss losing my friends in high school I just met him on the track team and me and my friend actually were talking about it last night how our high school so South San Francisco high school is my high school that I went to And every year of my high school days, there was a death. And that's where I'm coming from, where I was in high school. And it happened to be my brother that was next in line. It was so unexpected because it was my friend from French class, Stella. Her name is Stella. And then it was Jeremy Eisen. He was on the track team. And then even being a peer counselor, there was there was a student that was that that passed away too and i was actually seeing him as a peer counselor in high school so just experiencing loss is is hard and it hurts you every time it it never goes away but now i can i can look at it and celebrate instead of just wallow in grief all the time. I mean, when I say grief, it's just crying and crying and, and just sitting there. That, that's what it is for me. And now I had 
I had joined a community. It's called uh, Vibe Church. <laughs> I felt so welcome when when I stepped into the church because the music reminded me of my brother, and that was so important to us. Our relationship also included music that we shared, and just stepping into the church just reminded me of my brother so much. And I, I, I know that he would have joined the band as a bass player, and I would have been there with him. I think he would have loved it so much. And the community that I found myself in at home in California have, has helped me go through the next year uh, to close off the 10 years that my brother has been gone. So part of it is my spiritual walk with God that has helped me heal. And I'm really happy about that, just giving it to God and and actually being okay and letting go of, of the anger where the what could have happened or what if this happened. It helped me heal from the inside. And now I want to share it with everybody. And I just want to thank you, Josh for giving me this opportunity to share how much how much I love my brother and how much I miss him. Well, I can I can definitely feel the love, you know, and I can and I can feel the the sadness too in the sense of, you know, him not being around. And I'm glad that throughout your journey you've had you met people along the way to give you some help when you needed it the most. And I'm glad you found a community that the church that you're part of that's doing that almost like it's, it's almost like doing the job your brother would have, um, which is providing that love, providing you that space to be even on stage and do music yourself. You know, like they're allowing you to connect with your brother and remain connected in a new way. And, you know, there's something beautiful about that and that transition from the deep sorrow of life to the rebirth and that's what you're feeling and i can feel it in you in the sense that there is this joy and there's hope there's this new hope that not only your your grief has some type of meaning in the sense of making you stronger or even connecting you with new people but the other thing is allowing you to see yourself as an adult too as you said like you moving away you know it's funny because you know grief does do that you want to be close but you also want to be left alone (laughs) um but yeah moving away you said like it made you feel more like a woman it made you feel like an adult and i like even just for me speaking uh, truthfully it was only after i was actually done school so finishing the phd that I'm actually starting to feel like a man. Like I've like a stu- even though I was like 34 and and in my PhD, I, there's a still part of me that felt like a kid because I was in school and I've been school like my whole life. So now it's like the first time I'm feeling like, oh, this is what it, it feels like to be an adult, to be done school, and to now be a part of sort of find a career and be a part of the workforce. So like there's there's a lot of those pluses that, you know, even though, you know, we can't see them at the time, it's nice to sort of reflect back and sort of see how they were a part of us. And, you know, you're doing that. And I'm, I'm really happy that you you were able to share on the podcast because there is something beautiful about just sharing it to the world. It's like we go through things in life, but when we vocalize them out, it does something different, too. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. So since we talked a lot about uh, the loss and stuff, let's get to uh, those dreams. <laughs> so, um, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So what was like the first dream that you remember having of your brother? I remember him being young. We were probably in the Philippines at this time. We lived in the Philippines when we were younger, and it was when we were probably like six. He was probably six, and I was seven and a half maybe in the dream and I remember him looking at me and just smiling like everything's gonna be okay and so when you woke up from that like what'd you what'd you feel I I felt more connected with him um that he was listening to me and he was still there and that's one of like the beautiful things that I love about these dreams it provides people that opportunity to to feel that love to feel supported and watched out for, um, if that's sort of their belief. 
And I think it's so interesting that he was so young, right? Like, because <laughs> mm-hmm. he died when he was 16. So like for him to be like six in the dream, I think that's probably when your relationship probably was built. You know, like when I think about my siblings, like I have three others. I do. I don't think about them as adults. I think about them like when we were children, and we played all the time together. And maybe mm-hmm. that's sort of like that bond you guys shared where you said like it was your best friend. So you play it all the time. And it's only when you get older, you find other friends that, you know, that you can spend less time with them, even though they're still significant. Yeah. And so did you have any other dreams after that? Um, I remember <laughs> there's one that I, I woke up from and I knew he was trying to tell me something. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. But I remember this one dream. I was in Merced, California in the Central Valley. And I had graduated from college at this point. Um, and I was still living there. I remember waking up uh, from this dream that my brother, my brother was trying to talk to me. And he was his age at this point, like 16. And he was just trying to talk to me. And I was so confused when I woke up. <laughs> He was really, really trying to get a message to me, but there was nothing coming out of his mouth. And I was so confused. I woke up confused and immediately my mom called me. And she said something crazy happened to my dad. And I instantly thought like, ha, that's what he was trying to tell me. (laughs) I think now there was a difference. with my dreams after my brother had, uh, my brother's case has been vindicated. I think that's when I started having dreams of actually his actual age. Wow. That's yeah. That's an interesting, um, that's an interesting fact because it seems like, and, and I'm sure it's like this with a lot of people. It's, it's when the circumstances aren't as clear, aren't as um, kind of uh, when there's no closure like that, I can imagine it being very difficult to move to, to kind of continue on that grief journey um, the way you want to. Again, like, you know, after you've got your, a, a little bit of resolution around that, it definitely, uh, I could see it the way you're talking about it, it, it changed for you. And, and uh, that's interesting. I mean, again, you know, what you went through, especially at that age, it's not easy, you know. They really, yeah, going through high school and having a lot of classmates die and and friends die. You know, it's it. You think it would be a time for you to, you know, have fun and enjoy life. You know, get along with a lot of other people and and learn and build on on yourself and what your life's gonna be like. But here you are having to kind of face uh, all these multiple debts, and and that's a real. It's a real kind of a pulling you into society almost sooner than you want to be. Yeah. So, I, I mean, just think, just hearing you talk about your journey, obviously, you know, there's a lot of courage and strength there because you, I wouldn't blame anybody for closing up, for, for wanting to, to not uh, make those moves and not wanting to kind of continue on and push through those challenges. But even at a young age, you decided, you know what, I'm going to, continue on and do it for my family, do it for my mom, you know, go to school. And then again, you know, this journey that you took to Canada, uh, that's no joke either. So yeah, there's a lot of strength there. And, and uh, again, like, you know, the vindication that you, that you talk about, I'm glad that you, you got that as not just for yourself, but for your family. Yeah, thank you. And so now you got the 10 year memorial event coming up. Can you speak to like why this is important for you? It's important to me because I it's a big it's a big milestone for for our, our whole family I think and ten years is a big number. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's very important to me because I I'm closing I'm closing the healing process like closing it and I've been working on my healing so much this past year um, and it happened to be his 
10 year anniversary. It's just, it's just funny how it works that way. Just the timing is right too. It just happened to be 10 and it just happened to be, I'm here. And it just happened to be that I find myself back home in this community that has helped me to, to celebrate this big year for my family. And I want it, I want it to be a time where I could share all of this, all of, all of the whole 10 years that I, I had to deal with and just sharing that with my family would, would be the greatest thing. Yeah. It's almost like you made it, you know, it's the celebration of that you made it in a time where in the beginning, looking back, you didn't think you would. You didn't think it would ever change the feelings and the sadness and the horror of it all. But you grew and you grew into something very beautiful. And he's a part of you in this way. And so you're the outlook, I think, on this event, too, is I think a little bit different than maybe in previous um, anniversaries. And so I think that's beautiful. It's beautiful that you get a chance to do this and see how far you come and reflect on that and reflect how you still could carry your brother with you everywhere you go. and bring his memory up in different places with new people and so for us to get to know him too so he's like he's never really dead because now i feel like i know him a little bit you know yeah i'm actually trying to remember right now if i've had any dreams lately yeah and while you remember i just want to say that i think it's a i think it's amazing that you guys are holding a memorial service you know there's a strength and a power to that you know and honoring uh, those that have died and um, you know, I think that it's a part of the journey and, uh, it's, it's something that also will bring the family together more. You know, I'm, I'm, I am a believer in having, uh, things to honor those that have passed, uh, and especially like memorial services. I'm actually really curious. I know you're a singer and you play the ukulele. Will you be doing a, uh, a number at the uh, memorial event in honor of him? Yeah, I was thinking about it. <laughs> he he really loved um, Seize the Day by Avenged Sevenfold or I was thinking of uh, doing Dear God it talks about um, somebody who wishes he was there for a, a woman but is gone traveling for uh, music tours mm-hmm. so I like to picture my brother you know doing that up in heaven <laughs> <laughs> And the song is like, he's talking to me. So I would probably either play it or play it on my ukulele or play it um, at the event um, if I can. (laughs) Yeah, you play both, really. (laughs) It's your event. (laughs) Take control. I can do both. (laughs) I think, too, it'll be really special for you to be able to play that and to feel that, you know, like in front of everyone. I think that's very because it's really as, as we're talking about this, it is a, almost a coming out party for you too, and and where you've come and where God is taking you too through the process of all this. And you know, I I wish I could actually be there um, to see that because it, it's going to be a very beautiful moment for everyone. Yeah, it would have been great to have you here. Just just book a ticket. Book a ticket now. <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm actually, so for our, uh, our last question, uh, as we wrap up the show, if you could have a dream tonight of your brother, what kind of dream would you want to have? Oh, that's a great question. I would want to see him as he would be today, me and him singing together. Um, him playing the bass and having a band, I'd probably want to just do music together. And after that, go to Jollibee. It's a Filipino restaurant. He loves Jollibee. Oh, we just got one in Toronto, yeah. You did? (laughs) I haven't been there yet, but I'm excited to try it out. Yeah, he loves spaghetti from there, so I'd probably go to Jollibee with him and get spaghetti and the chicken joy. Uh, We used to fight about that when we were younger. 
I would want to go to McDonald's, but he would always want to go to Jollibee for the spaghetti. <laughs> that's very really funny. Um, and so <laughs> that's really cool. You want to see him as he, so he'd be 26 uh, in your dream. Mm-hmm. And so what would your, I'm guessing you're part of the band, right? Yes, I, I sing um, for my church. Okay, so you would sing for his, his group too? He did ask me. <laughs> there you he go. Totally all right. <laughs> You're a part of this but band. You know what I told Beautiful. Him. <laughs> <laughs> You're on stage. Um, so, what, what would that band name be for you guys? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say <laughs> probably Screamo Dreamo. <laughs> He really wanted me to like do that type of sound. And I told him, I can't. It's going to hurt my voice. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just thinking that. <laughs> you know, like have your lungs and, uh, raw. <laughs> and he was actually practicing like how, how to do that type of music. Mm-hmm. Um, he was <laughs> He was doing that to his voice. And I would just look at him with my mouth wide open saying, like, wow, you're really trying. <laughs> Not that you're really good. You're just really trying. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. No, that's amazing. And would it be in, like, a stadium? Would it be outside in a park? Or would it be on in your church? Like, what do you, where do you see that, the band playing? Oh, that, I would probably uh, at a park, something hmm. not, not, I don't think it would be super big, but just very, very small. And people, people would be there that we care about, like just very close friends or family. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. Um, I, it's difficult going back and and trying to you know tell these things and uh there's definitely some tender moments there but you did a great job um telling your brother's story and just just the love really came out through you know the whole interview and again we just want to honor his memory and uh, i think it's amazing that you guys again are having a memorial service coming up soon and i hope it's going to be a blessing for all of you and i'm sure it's a time when Again, you can really grow as a family together. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, something that uh, when we do these interviews, that again, there are tender moments and it's a, it sheds a lot of light on, on who people are and what their character is. And you, you seem to have a really strong character and uh, a lot of, uh, and a lovely spirit. You are an, uh, an optimist and, and a lot of humor as well. So I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate um, giving me the time and opportunity to share it with everybody. So if you want to, we would love to for to showcase some of your music on the at the end of this podcast that you want to dedicate to your brother. So if you want to give us that when you record it, we'll play it right after this. Oh, okay. That would be great. So again, thank you so much, Jackie. Uh, we're just going to talk about um, where people can reach our platform. So everybody, uh, you can reach us at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. Uh, we did add a donation button, and there are perks to those who donate. If you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams group. You can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. We're on Twitter and Instagram, at Grief Dreams. And the children's book called Dreaming of Owl, authored by Joshua, can be found on Amazon. Uh, So we like to end our podcast with love and gratitude from us to you.
I'm lonely and I'm tired of me. 